this morning, we're going to be centered in the book of Proverbs. And, and you can think of this as a topical sermon on friendship. Now, friendship. Why a sermon on friendship? Well, in a recent report, the Survey Center on American Life published their latest findings on friendship in America. I actually saw this. I kind of thought about, you know, I think I want to preach on friendship. And then the next day, I think it was, I saw this report. (laughs) God's timing. Here's what they said. Coming out of a once in a generation global pandemic, Americans appear more attuned than ever to the importance of friendship. However, despite renewed interest in the topic of friendship in popular culture and in the news media, signs suggest that the role of friends in American social life is experiencing a pronounced decline. The May 2021 American Perspective Survey finds that Americans report having fewer close friendships than they once did, talking to their friends less often and relying less on their friends for personal support. They go on to report that In 1990, for example, only 3% of people reported no close friends. In 2021, that number rose to 12%. Even on the positive end, in 1990, 33% said they had 10 or more close friends. In 2021, that was down to 13%. And they note reasons for this. I mean, it is a study after all. They've got some ideas. You know, people are, are, they're marrying later and they move around more. They just don't have... The, the, the social permanence to make close friends. Uh, parents spend more time with their children than previous generations, making less room for friends. Now, that, of course, isn't a bad thing in itself, but it does have an impact on our friendships. People are working more and traveling more for work. And of course, there's the, the global pandemic where 59% of young women and 52% of young men report losing touch with friends during the pandemic. And the numbers aren't much better the older you get. In fact, while most young people report losing touch with friends, they also report making new friends during that same period of time. So kind of in and out. But that isn't the case for older folks. Seniors are considerably less likely to have made a new friend during the period, with only 41% reporting they had done so. Nearly one-third of seniors say it has been at least five years since they developed a new friendship. So in all, I think it's safe to say two things. One, we need friendship. And two, we're not very good at it right now. The study I've quoted is just one of many studies done in the last few years that shows America is growing increasingly lonely. And maybe you feel that yourself. A survey by Cigna, the health insurer, found that 54% of adults feel like no one knows them at all. 54%. And it appears the younger you are, actually the worse it is. So we're not even trending well. This isn't just going to get better because the young people are going to get older. We're not doing well here in America. And I wonder how many of us have the, the, the kind of friendships that our hearts long for. At Refuge Church, we want to be gospel friends. So I want to explore that today because as we continue in this pandemic, I mean, we can say that it's over, but it's not really over yet. There are many signs that are pointing in the right direction, but we just might need some help in this area after the, the year or so that we've had. So what does God have to say about this? If this is what the culture at large is noticing, does God have anything to say about this? 
Does God care about our friendships? Actually, yes, he does. He has a lot to say about it. Uh, Throughout the Bible, from the Old to the New Testaments, we see the importance of friendship. From David and Jonathan to Jesus and John to Paul and Silas and so on, the Bible tells us implicitly and explicitly about the importance of friendship. But, you know, really perhaps no book in the Bible tells us more explicitly about the importance of friendship than the book of Proverbs. Commentator Hugh Black says the book of Proverbs might also be called a treatise on friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. Now, we often think of the book of Proverbs as a book of wisdom, and it is. And so maybe it surprises us that it would include so much about friendship. But if we define wisdom as the Bible defines wisdom, as skill for living when there is no rule book to go by, We see how friendships can fit into that, don't we? Friendships, they don't come with a rule book. They're easy to mess up. I mean, how many ex-friends do you have right now because of a lack of wisdom years ago? And when it goes wrong over time, some of us just, we just kind of shut down that part of our heart. It's just easier to live alone, but not really. But who wants to be hurt again? But wisdom doesn't urge us to shut down. It urges us actually to open up. Wisdom helps us come alive. And God wants his people to have deep, meaningful friendships because God himself is a triune friend, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that friendly heart radiates out toward us. Jesus himself said, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. To be a servant of God is a glorious thing. I mean, the prophets were servants of God, but it is more glorious to be God's friend. In Exodus 33, for example, we read, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man to his friend. Oh, don't we want that? Only Moses in the Old Testament got that close to God. But now, through Christ, God's brought every believer into that same reality. To every believer, God in Christ says, no longer servant, but friend. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, became the friend of sinners. Friend isn't a term that God just throws around. It took the cross to gain that friendship. Friendship is this God-originated wonder that was confirmed at the cross. It begins in heaven and comes down to beautify our lives. At the heart of ultimate reality is a friendship inside of God that must be shared. And he shares it with us both with him and with one another. So God doesn't take friendship lightly. And wisdom says we shouldn't take it lightly either. So from the book of Proverbs, I wanna consider three truths about friendship today. 
First, friendship is discovered in God's grace. Second, friendship is forged with God's wisdom. And third, friendship is powered by God's love. So first, friendship is discovered in God's grace. C.S. Lewis actually wrote a lot about friendship. And in his essay on friendship, he said, friendship starts out like this. What? You too? I I thought I was the only one. Friendships, in other words, is, is one of those amazing discoveries that God has planted in the world from the beginning that makes life actually enjoyable. Friendship's like a fruit in your life. I mean, let's just think about fruit for a minute. Isn't it amazing? There's this thing that, that grows on a tree or on a bush. It's just there. We actually didn't even put it there. It's just there, out there. I mean, can you imagine the first person to discover a peach? <laughs> Going to that tree and pulling that peach off and taking a bite. And, what is this? How did I live without this? This is amazing. It's, I don't know if there's a more perfect food in the world than a peach. It's just so juicy, tender, flavorful. What a discovery. God put that there for us to find, for us to take and eat and discover. Friends are like that peach. They're placed in this world for you to find. One day you're just walking along, minding your own business and and you just stumble into someone and find in them something in them that resonates with your own heart. You find a friend and that isn't an accident. God put them in this world for you to find in His grace. Now, in our busy lives, we can tend to treat friendship as as something optional. I mean, after all, friendship is is one of those things that you can live without. C.S. Lewis says friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It doesn't have to be here, but it is. You can live without friendship, just like you can live without that peach and without art and without philosophy, but doesn't it make life far better? Lewis goes on to say, friendship has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. We don't need friends to live, but that doesn't mean God wants us to live without friends. I mean, after all, it was God who said to Adam, pre-fall, it's not good that man be alone. So in His grace, God planted the desire for friendship in our heart so that we would discover the joy of friendship in our lives. Proverbs 27 verse 9 helps us see this. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Oil and perfume. The writer uh, compares friendship to that. How did they get oil and perfume in ancient times? Well, they didn't make it. Like that peach, they discovered it. When the book of Proverbs was written, there wasn't even sugar, refined sugar. It didn't exist. Sweet food had to be discovered. Someone went along, found this, I don't know, honeycomb thing hanging from a tree, took it, took a bite, realized it was sweet. That's how friendships are made. 
they're discovered. And when they're discovered, they sweeten our life. But sweeteners actually do more than just add flavor. I mean, did you know, for example, that sugar does more than just sweeten food? Yeah, it makes it good to, to our taste buds, but it does far more than that. For example, a cookie isn't a cookie if you just take something, some flour that you've baked out of the oven and sprinkle some sugar on it. That's not a cookie. That's something no one wants to eat, I promise you. A cookie is a cookie because the sugar has been baked into it, baked through it. It went deep. Sugar is to a cookie what a friend is to your life. When you add sugar to that, that cookie recipe, you bake it, it stabilizes the cookie, it texturizes the cookie, it leavens it, it deepens the color and the flavor, it adds the crunch that we all love. That's what friendships do in our lives. They come actually inside of us. They change us from the inside out. Real friendship is baked in. It goes deep. And it's a discovery that changes us. It sweetens us. So friendship is is measured by the true friends baked into you. Not not the so-called friends sprinkled around your life. When the Bible talks about friendship, it doesn't mean, I don't know, your Facebook friends or your Twitter followers or or whatever. It it doesn't mean acquaintances. Friendship is, is measured by quality, not quantity. We know this intuitively, don't we? I mean, you may only have a couple of close friends. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's probably how it has to be. But those friends aren't ancillary to your life. They help make you, you, who you are. You aren't you without them. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Don't we need that? A friend sticking close. Many companions won't get us very far, but a friend that sticks closer than a brother can take us to places we could not get on our own. I think one of the things about friendship is it always kind of surprises us, doesn't it? I mean, I look at my friends and some of them are so different from me. But they love me and I love them. And and we can never imagine at the beginning the kind of effect that it will have on us in the end. I mean, here we are living our life the best way we can. A friend comes along and we have some fun together. But then life takes a turn as it always seems to do. Something happens and we we just, we feel terribly alone and forgotten. Tragedy strikes, or we've sinned in some way we thought unimaginable. And then our friends show up. And it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? The old pastor J.C. Ryle put it this way, the world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It's a dark place. It's a lonely place. It's a disappointing place. But friendship, friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. In other words, friendship is the thing to so many, to such a degree that just makes life work. 
It makes it livable. The Hebrew word for sticks, when, when, when the, the writer says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that, that word sticks means to cleave. It's commitment. A friend is better even than a sibling. A sibling is stuck to you uh, because they're family. I mean, they kind of have to be. There's an obligation there, right? And if they aren't, well, they, they're going to feel bad about that at some point. But a, a friend loves you for no other reason than they love you. There's no obligation. You don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything. They just are there. They just love you. They're a picture, actually, of the love of Jesus, who loves us because he loves us. Not for something inside of us, but because he simply loves us. And I remember a, a time when this verse resonated with me in a profound way. I, I just remember a, a, a season where I was just really struggling. And, you know, that, those days where you just kind of feel the weight of life. And, and you can't, I don't know, it's not just one thing. It's like all the things. It's like everything just kind of hurts. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. I felt depressed. I felt lonely. And, and my wife just, she said, you, you need to just go out um, and just spend some time. Go, I don't care where you go. Just go do what you need to do. And so I went to a coffee shop and I was going to read and, and pray. And, but just nothing was clicking. And so I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should just reach out to a friend. And so reluctantly, I picked up my phone, texted a friend, and, and here's what I said. Would you pray for me tonight? I'm feeling absolutely depleted and anxious. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it's a struggle to rejoice and trust God has good purposes for me right now. A few minutes later, he responded. I absolutely will, brother. Getting alone right now to pray for that very thing, that the deep settling peace of God would be upon you. When I got that text, I, I just, I kind of broke down right there in the coffee shop. Why did that matter to me so much? He didn't need more information. He didn't rebuke me. He didn't try to make things better for some simple platitude. And he didn't ignore me. What he did do was take responsibility for me and take me to Jesus. Now, it's not that my sibling wouldn't do that for me. I mean, I have an amazing sister who would. It's just that my friend did that without any reason at all. Just because he was a friend. Just because he loves me. Friends love without any previous responsibility to do so. So when you discover one, hold tight. Praise God. It's from Him. But friendship isn't just a discovery. Friendships also need to be forged, which is our second point. Friendship is forged with God's wisdom. Friendships require wise effort. They require forging. And Proverbs has a lot to say about this. In his commentary on the book of Proverbs, Derek Kidner has a little section where he highlights what a good friend is. I, I found this to be immensely helpful in my life. 
A good friend, according to the book of Proverbs, has constancy, candor and counsel, and carefulness. I want to walk through briefly each one of those. First, constancy. A friend is always with you, committed, maybe not physically with you, but with you. Sticks closer than a brother. And maybe you think, even as I tell that story a few moments ago, you think, I'm not sure I've ever discovered that kind of friend. I'm not sure who I would reach out to. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't know. But I, I, I do know this, because I've been here. It's very easy to say that there's something wrong with others without admitting maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe friendship begins with us. Let me ask an uncomfortable question. What kind of friend are you? Are you the kind of friend that sticks closer than a brother? Are you a constant friend? I mean, one of the things about the book of Proverbs is it doesn't just help us recognize true friends, it helps us become one. Proverbs 20 verse six says, a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? Is there a difference between the kind of friend you say that you are and the kind of friend that you actually are? Proverbs points out that superficial friends don't stick around when times are bad. For example, Proverbs 19 verse 4 says, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Proverbs 19.7 says, all a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but he does not have them. In other words, those fake friends leave you as soon as things go bad for you, when there's nothing in it for you, for them. But real friends are constant. Proverbs 17.17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What kind of friend are you? The best way to find a faithful friend is actually to be a faithful friend. So do you seek others out? Are you available for friendship? Do others even know that you're available for friendship? And when you find a friend, are you there for them? British pastor Vaughn Roberts wrote a little book called True Friendship. It's a great little book. And he says in there something I found really profound. He says, people are, perhaps we are confident that if a friend was truly in need, we would be there for them. But would anyone think of turning to us in such circumstances? Have we kept our friendships in good shape in better times so that they are prepared for the moment when a crisis occurs? Maybe the reason you don't have the friends you need is because you haven't yet learned to be the friend you need. Proverbs 27.10 tells us not to forsake our friend. We all need a constant friend, don't we? And that starts by being a constant friend to others. Now second, candor and counsel. It's not a surprise to us that we are sinners and therefore we need a lot of help. 
I mean, we have blind spots, don't we? We can't see everything. And friends are God's gift to help us see those blind spots, to repent, to change, and to move forward. Real friends don't just flatter or humor us. Real friends deal honestly. They give meaningful input, they sharpen, they actually help make us wise. So let me ask you, do you have a friend in your life that can sharpen you, that can ask you the hard questions, the uncomfortable questions? Do you have a friend who can tell you the cold, hard truth when necessary? Who can actually speak God's word into your life with power? And furthermore, are you that kind of friend to anyone else? Proverbs 29 verse 5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. In in other words, friends don't butter one another up. They shoot straight because they don't want to see their friend ensnared later on. They want their friend free from sin, free from pain. Why? Well, because in a way your happiness is tied to theirs, isn't it? (laughs) If your friend hurts, you hurt. That's one way you actually know you have real friendships, how much you you feel what happens to them. But even more than that, we want to stir one another up to love and good works for Jesus' sake. Our friendships are actually accountable to Jesus. I mean, we're just saying he's the Lord of all, even our friendships. Are we obeying him? Are we allowing him to use us as he desires in the life of our friends? Or are we ignoring his call to go deep? Some of the most profound moments in my life have been when friends have looked at me and asked hard questions, pointed out things I didn't want to see. And you probably have that experience as well. And I can't remember a time where I didn't, maybe some time later, thank God for them. You know you have a friend when you can say to them and they can say to you what no one else could get away with. Friends don't hide how they feel. They say what they must without hiding their love. Proverbs 27 verses five and six say, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So friends wound with love. They don't kiss with flattery. Oscar Wilde put it this way. He said, a true friend stabs you in the front. (laughs) I mean, that's a harsh way of putting it, but there's some truth to it, isn't there? Friends see what we can't see about ourselves and their blunt honesty can actually save us. That candidness opens a door for counsel because real counsel is candid. Remember Proverbs 27 verse nine, the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Earnest counsel isn't just, you know, do this, don't do that. It's not detached. As commentator Charles Bridges says, earnest counsel is a counsel of his soul. Your friend puts himself or herself in your shoes, counsels as they would wish to be counseled because they actually care. It's gonna actually impact even their lives. 
A friend isn't just a prophet speaking truth in the face of sin, but also a priest bringing you to Jesus for help. If you have a friend that is candid with counsel, you will grow in wisdom. I mean, there's just no way not to. So do you have such friends? Are you such a friend? Third, carefulness. Real friends are candid and give counsel, but their love keeps it from being reckless. Real friends are careful with one another. I mean, they don't want to push you away. They want to bring you nearer to themselves and nearer to Jesus. And that's why friendship requires so much wisdom. I mean, God wants us to be careful, not only with what we say, but with how we say it. So we should be thinking, you know, is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it necessary? What impact will it make? As Proverbs 18, 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what we say has a massive, massive impact. So we need to avoid some relationship uh, or friendship killers. For example, gossip. Gossip's what, uh, to, to friendship, what adultery is to marriage. It just destroys trust. It fractures the relationship. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife, strife, and a whisperer, that is a gossip, separates close friends. Proverbs 20, 19 says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Gossip is poison. So we must avoid it at all costs. I mean, Jesus doesn't gossip. When he speaks of his friends, he has only good things to say because their faults are not talking points for him. He's not interested in the dark side of their life because he's bringing them to glory. Jesus is our model there. And we must not be aloof to our friends. No, friendship isn't detached. It's not unsympathetic. Proverbs 25, 20 says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Singing happy songs to a heavy heart isn't just wrong, it's mean. We know that, don't we? We want someone to actually enter into our pain enter into our lives. Real friends know when to weep and when to rejoice. Real friends can read the mood and apply the right balm. They know how to be present in the circumstance. And sometimes being a friend means knowing when to not be there at all. (laughs) Maybe that's surprising, but Proverbs has something to say about that. Chapter 25, verse 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Proverbs 27, 14 says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. We all need space. Just as we all need someone to enter in, we also need our space. And a friend understands that. A friend knows when they're wearing out their welcome. But most of all, a friend is earnest in friendship, treating others with respect and honor. A friend, a friend doesn't deceive us. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death 
is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Friends bring the right word at the right time with the right posture. Not everything is fun and games in life. And a friend knows that. Yeah, we joke around. I mean, that's part of what makes friendship so great is the fun we have together. But our joking among us should never have a mean streak. We should never leave a conversation thinking, is that what they really think about me? Friends open one another up. They don't shut one another down. Again, Jesus is a perfect model. He doesn't stand aloof to us. He enters into our lives. He gets involved. He knows what it's like to actually live in flesh. He entered in. He knows what you need and he comes in mercy and grace to give help when you need it. And he's calling us to do the same for one another in friendships. And here's a hard one. We mustn't hold grudges. It's so easy to hold a grudge. Who doesn't have a grudge in this angry world? Everyone does. But friends are forgiving. Proverbs 17, 19 tells us, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Every friend will disappoint us and we will disappoint every friend. If you haven't learned that by now, I'm sorry, it's coming. But wisdom says, okay, so you've been disappointed. Now what? Now cover that offense with love. Don't bring it up again. Forgive, talk about it, and move on. The word repeats means to, to bring it up only a second time. That's all it takes, one more time. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. If your friend has not concealed but confessed and it's been dealt with, don't bring it up again. Let it go. God doesn't keep bringing our sins to the forefront, does he? He covered them with his love at the cross. If we don't do the same with our friends, things can get out of hand really quickly. As Proverbs 17, 14 says, the beginning of strife is like a letting out of water. So quit before the quarrel breaks. Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Proverbs eleven twelve 12 says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. You might be in the right, but is your rightness worth the friendship? That's a question we must all answer. Sometimes maybe the answer is yes, but how many times is it no? And we just won't give up. A friend knows when to cover the offense, when to quit fighting, when to just shut up already and forgive. After all, Jesus doesn't hold a grudge against us. He forgives us completely. You hear Completely. Not mostly. He doesn't bring our sins up again. I mean, why would he? On the cross, it was he who said, it is finished. And he meant every word of that. Forging a friendship is hard. 
but it's worth it. It takes effort and wisdom, but there is a power from on a high fueling our friendships, which is our third point. Friendship is powered by God's love. Tim Keller uh, summarizes a friend as one who always lets you in and never lets you down. (laughs) That's certainly the kind of friend Jesus is, but how doable is that for people like us? How can we always let people in and never let them down? Well, the answer to that is found in our perfect mutual friend, Jesus. When you see who Jesus is for you, you're set free from so many things, aren't you? One of those things is fear of failure in your friendships. You can, you can actually always let others in because though that might be scary to you, there's already somebody who already knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. No one can find out something another friend doesn't already know. And you can avoid letting others down because the strength and wisdom you need to be a friend actually doesn't come from within your own willpower. It's powered by Jesus himself. Jesus enables you to be a friend, not only by befriending you, but by being another friend in your friendships. In every Christian friendship, there are always three people involved, the two friends and Jesus. You don't have what you need? Jesus does. Let him be the friend you need so you can be the friend that your friend needs. I mean, if we just think back, the kind of friend that Jesus is. I mean, this isn't theory, this is reality. Jesus did something to make us friends. Go back to the night before Jesus died when he explained what he was about to do on the cross. John 15, he said to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. The relationship Jesus has with his people is not master-servant. It's friend-friend. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't our Lord and Master, He is. But He has brought us into a relationship with Him that is like friendship. Now, why does that matter? Well, think of the kind of friend that we are to Jesus. We've ignored His counsel time after time. We've proclaimed our steadfast love only to be unfaithful. We've deserted him. We've failed to love him at all times. We've wounded him. And what is his response? The cross. His response is to cover our offense with his love. Do you see how important that is? Jesus shows us what's actually possible in our friendships. We're miserable failures as friends to God. And in response to our failure, God gave the cross not to unfriend us, but to befriend us. He is not unwilling to pay the cost. 
On the cross, Jesus proved he's the kind of friend who sticks closer than a brother. He didn't stop loving us in our failures. He loved us to death. He loves at all times. He's a brother born for adversity. He's a true friend who totally accepts you, totally forgives you, totally knows you and doesn't walk away from you. He laid down his life for you at the cross. He's faithful even when you aren't. He's loyal even though you're disloyal. He took your offense and buried it in the tomb. And on that resurrection day, he walked out with all the power of, the, of love that we will ever need. He has made you his friend. And no matter how often we show up in his house, no matter how many times we offend him, no matter how many times we fail him, he will never cast us out. He will always forgive us. He will never fail us. John Newton's great hymn, One There Is Above All Others, captures the wonder of this love perfectly. Could we bear from one another what he daily bears from us? Yet this glorious friend and brother loves us, though we treat him thus. Though for good we render ill, he accounts us brethren still. We all who are in Christ have that kind of friend right now. If we have one who always lets us in and never lets us down. We have the kind of friend with us in our friendships that will actually make a difference, that will create friendships that can last, even though it seems like nothing ever does. So in conclusion, let me just say this. Maybe you're not the friend you should be. I mean, we fail so often, don't we? Maybe you don't have the friends that you wish you did. But look around you right now. Each person you're looking at is a friend of Jesus. And he's willing to share them with you. Will you accept his offer? Will you enter in? At Refuge Church, we want to be gospel friends. Jesus has brought us together. He intends to form friendships here, deeper perhaps even than we've ever experienced before in our lives. Who are we to set a limit on what Jesus can do among us? Now, how can we be sure it's true? Because no matter how much we think we choose our friends, that's actually not exactly right, is it? C.S. Lewis helps us see this. He said, in reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. God has brought us all together in this church for a purpose. And part of that purpose is for the creation of deep friendships. So if you're sitting there thinking, I wish I had friends, but I don't. 
here's your invitation. There are people who want to befriend you. They're sitting in front of you. They're sitting behind you, next to you. They're in your community group, in your Bible study. They're here every week. And all that keeps us from diving in deeper is our own hesitancy. Well, let's just forget about it. Who cares? We're not good at this, but Jesus is. And as long as he's with us, we're gonna be okay. Let's just dive in because Jesus, our great friend, our our great master of the ceremonies has summoned us here. He's here to reveal new friends in his grace, to forge them with his wisdom and to power them by his love. So let's just go make some friends. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care about friendship. This is something you've given. You didn't have to give us this. But you have created a heart that longs to be connected to others. And so we just thank you for the gift. We ask you to help us where we need help. Not just us here, but our city, our country. We are not doing well in this area, Lord. But you have all the wisdom we need to make it work. And we thank you most of all that you have called us friend. You have done everything necessary to bring us close. You always let us in. You never let us down. Thank you, Lord. Amen.